Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're here we are again, connecting some dots for you between uh, the Lordship of Jesus and everyday life. And our conviction is that if we uh, celebrate Christ and make him the Lord that he truly is, we're gonna experience life to the fullest. And part of that includes the privilege and the benefit that we have of uh, walking with the Lord in relationship, hearing his voice, uh, and enjoying true, uh, you know, friendship with the ki- with our King, Amen. and uh, and that's a privilege every believer has. And uh, we hope this series has been helpful to you as we've been uh, trying to lay out some some uh, ground rules and some some track to run on. Uh, I know I I've just been excited. I've been hearing some great fruit from people, and uh, I, I feel like the series is really hitting home. Yeah, no, that's good. And you you think the Christian faith because it's so relational. Um, hearing the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit should be such an integral part of our everyday life, uh, you know, in, in Christendom, in churches. Yeah. Uh, but that's not so in the American culture today in the churches. Uh, yeah, we're finding that a lot of people, the Holy Spirit's been a, a complete mystery. Yeah. Uh, in fact, a lot of people have said, well, you know what, we've never heard so much teaching about the Holy Spirit, and uh, this is all new to us. And yeah. learning to hear God's voice or even believing that God speaks is a, a new concept for many Christians, but it shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, it's like we discovered an artifact. It's like Holy Spirit is not an artifact, but that's how we treat it sometimes. You know? Amen. He is the third member of the Trinity. He is God Almighty. And as we shared, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us, so we never, ever have to worry about being uh, too Holy Spirit focused. <laughs> now we can be too focused on the gifts or too focused on uh, certain aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry, but to focus on the Holy Spirit himself too much is an impossibility uh, because his job again as our helper, as our advocate, as our counselor is to point the way and to open our eyes and help us understand the scriptures and help us understand Jesus and to help us to relate to him and to help us understand the Father and the Father's great love for us. And maybe that's a good segue. I, you know, I get, you know, emails as you do uh, from various people that are sharing praise reports and things like that. And I just got this this week, which I really love. Um, this dear lady was complimenting me for the, for the sermon, but here's what she said. She said, I needed to hear that God is more than rules and regulations. That's good. And boy, we've been kind of hitting on that, rules and regulations. If your faith is nothing but rules and regulations and there's no relationship, you're missing out on genuine Christianity. And she goes on to say some interesting things here. I love this. She says, I needed to hear that he loves me and sees me, that he cares for me. And she just said, thank you for the, for the encouraging messages. So anyway, um, that to me breaks my heart. Uh, I wonder how many people are raised in church cultures where if they boil down the essence of their faith, it's rules and regulations. Yeah. And uh, they, they've never experienced the crazy, awesome love of a, of a Heavenly Father, you know, for them. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I used to, when I was a kid growing up, uh, well, I wasn't a kid anymore, like past college years, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in the church. I, I realized one day that I really saw God as a computer. You know, it's kind of you input something in, you get something out, you know. Uh, So you input good deeds or obedience and you get good things. And if you input bad things, you get bad things, which, okay, that I mean, to a degree, that's kind of true. Obviously, obedience brings blessings and and disobedience brings, you know, discipline. But it's not that simple. But I I realize God is not a computer. Guys, there's relationships, there are nuances, there's so much more complexity than simply input, output. 
But that realization made me realize how yeah. disconnected I am with the heart of God. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the big point. You know, last week we talked about uh, how the Word of God and the Spirit of God are forever married together and why that's so important. Yeah. Because if you take the Holy Spirit out of the equation, you get what you just said. You just get a formula, yeah. you know. If if A, mm -hmm. then B, you know, or if right. I do this, then God has to do this. Right. Or it's almost like a slot machine, you know. You pull the lever and you hope it all comes up all lemons and then you win the prize. You know, if you yeah. if you quote the, the Bible enough and you stand on the promises enough and you you know you quote this verse over and over and over and over right. again, eventually then God has to do it. Uh, but right. it completely takes out the relational aspect of of Christianity. And I think what right. we tried to highlight uh, and what we want to talk about today is this amazing truth that that Christianity is the divine romance. It's all about. God's incredible love for us. And when you look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, all you see over and over again is this amazing pursuit of God bringing salvation to us. Right. We see types and shadows in the Old Testament, but of course the fullness comes with Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Um, but it's all about God pursuing the heart of his people. Yeah, and now what I found is God will break your formula. He will put a, uh, yes. <laughs> he, he will mess up your system. The Holy Spirit will mess up your system just to uh, awaken us to, to the fact that this is not formal, this is a relationship. So there'll be times you'd be like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, and I'm not getting the results I want, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just because he wants to remind you, this is a relationship, it's, it doesn't work like this. Yeah. So if you're hitting one of those points, maybe it's a good reminder to be like, maybe I need to get back in the presence of God. Amen, he is not a genie. No. He's not a, 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 a magic bottle that if we say the right words or something that yeah. God acts, it, it really is about relationship. And as you and I know, you know, anytime you try to put somebody in a box or you know you, you put your wife and try to make her into your own image and, yeah. and she has to act this way or that way right. and you box her in it destroys romance yeah uh, no person wants to be controlled or manipulated. So, or, so that's a good reminder. If, if this system doesn't even work for your wife, probably it's not going to work with the creator of the universe. <laughs> so just a thought. It won't just work for the kid. It won't even work for your dog, you know, your pets. Okay. Uh. It probably won't work for the creative yeah. universe. You know? Sometimes we need a reminder. I know I do. You know. No, that's good. So. That's really good. You know, I, I was talking about the fact that when you, you look at the, the language of God, you know, how he describes, like metaphors. Metaphors okay. are, are, are various ways we can look at, at a profound truth. And the Bible is full of metaphors. And, and, and one of the things that we highlighted was just the, the language of covenant love. You know, marriage, like God, ref, God relates to us. He uses the metaphor of marriage. And, uh, and that's a powerful metaphor because it's all about covenant, commitment, intimacy. You know, a marital relationship is the most intimate relationship that human beings can ever know or experience. Yeah. And, and there's a reason why God uses that metaphor because he wants us to get a glimpse of uh, the type of intimacy that he wants to have with us. Yeah. And so we went to uh, Song of Solomon, which is a book that, that has even made theologians uncomfortable because it's it's graphic uh, description of, of romantic love and intimate love. But in Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 14, the Lord says this to us. He says, let me see your face and let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant, and he says, your face is lovely or beautiful. You know, when you hear talk like that coming from our Creator, it's almost more than most people could handle, especially guys, you yeah. know. Um, and, of course, this talk is not its not a talk about anything sexual as it relates to God and us, but it's a talk of 
God's affection towards us. When he says to us, let me see your face, he's basically saying, you as my precious son or daughter, you know, I want to see your face. You, you are precious to me. Your face is beautiful to me. He goes, I want to hear your voice. In other words, he's longing for a relationship with us. And, um, and what a picture of what our Christian walk is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be face-to-face, voice-to-voice, communication, where God delights in us. And, you know, we shared that it's impossible to come to the Lord on a consistent basis and to be intimate with a God that you don't believe likes you yeah. or is mad at you or is upset with you or is harsh with you. Well, I think that, that to me was a lot, was the biggest uh, difference between, my realization difference between a living personal God and a machine that simply dotes out commands is there, the, desire, the concept of desire and wanting. A machine or a formula doesn't want to be with you. Right. And um, whereas a living God has actual desire, says, hey, I long to be with you. And that for me was so hard to grasp for the longest time that God will want. Yeah. I know the Bible says it, but you know, I kind of just like in my head block out <laughs> exactly. those those desire verses, you know, um, because it doesn't compute in my head. Maybe I'm more wired like a machine, <laughs> like a robot, but it just doesn't compute. Well, it's know? easier It's easier emotionally to relate to a formula or to a system or to a machine. For some, yeah, for a lot of guys, too. A machine yeah. doesn't yeah. require any, any heart investment or right. any intimacy. And that's why I think some people are more comfortable just relating, for instance, just to the Bible. I'm just going to read the Bible. Yeah. I'm just going to check off my boxes. Right. Because if I just read, reading doesn't require a relationship. But but that is not what God wants for us. And I, just, I wanted to encourage people that are watching today, you know, you need to know God loves to look at your face. You're beautiful to Him. And you need to know that God loves to hear your voice because your voice is one of a kind. Uh, there's only one you in the whole universe. God knows you intimately, and He loves you, and He delights in you, and He longs to have a relationship with you, and He wants interaction, not from a computer standpoint or a formulaic standpoint, but He wants to He wants to relate to you. And something else I realize is when we don't see God in the context of relationship, or like He's the Lord, He's God, but more of the formula, what we're doing essentially, we might not be doing a, like forefront in our mind but what we're intention yeah. but what, what we're really doing is we're making ourselves God because machine is designed to, for us to formula is designed for us to control it so yeah. how much of this is really about us being controlled and us being God but we hide it behind formulas and we're going to talk about the Pharisees in a little bit yeah. and you can make an argument that Pharisees made the, made the idolatry even though their Pharisaic way was all about God and following the Bible but really they made an idolatry of their own life their That's own right. positions it's really all about them about them and so so, but, but in relationship with God really just you know destroys that self-idolatry, our worshiping of ourselves in our way. I know my relationship with God, he's always chiseling at that. It's like, really about you? It's about your way? Well, how you want to do it? I'm like, oh, God, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Relationships. It goes against everything yeah. that a relationship is, you know. Yeah. Um, and I love, speaking of relationship, you know, if you boil down uh, what is Christianity, and you had to define Christianity, the pharisaical way would be all about keeping the law. Yeah. But what Jesus came to teach us was that that eternal life is a life of relationship with the Lord himself. And I love John 17, 3, and I love especially the way the Passion Translation highlights this. It says, eternal life means to know and to experience you as the only true God and to know and to experience Jesus Christ uh, as the Son that you have sent. I love the way it highlights knowing and experiencing because the Pharisees were good at head knowledge, yeah. 
but the Pharisees had no experiential knowledge of Jesus. And that word know in the Greek uh, is the most intimate form of knowledge. It's like the knowledge that she's between a husband and wife uh, in covenant intimacy. Uh, it's not just knowing about the person, it's truly knowing that person, heart to heart, face to face. And Jesus says eternal life is knowing not only the proper doctrine about who he is, and that and doctrine is important, but knowing him personally, experientially. In other words, not just the head, but the heart, both yeah. of those coming together and being engaged. Uh, and that is eternal life. And we talked about, you know, so if the word and the spirit are meant to be together, bad things happen when a divorce occurs. And in many, let me just say, in many theological backgrounds, and uh, we run into this in, in our church even now. Many people are coming from backgrounds that have absolutely divorced the word from the Spirit. They don't believe the Holy Spirit speaks today. Uh, God only talks through the Bible, um, and he's not talking in any other means. And when you, when you cut the author of the book off, and the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the word of God, and you, you ignore the author, and you separate the author from the book, you're going to be left with a lot of dead religion. Mm -hmm. uh, you're gonna be left with a lot of law and regulation and rules that produces no life. It produces death in people. And we've seen people that read the Bible, know the Bible, quote the Bible, but they are so dead on the inside because they've never submitted to the Holy Spirit. And they've never allowed the Holy Spirit to bring them to the, to the subject of the book, yeah. which is Jesus himself. Yeah. And that's a tragic divorce. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. I said that the, if you uh, ignore the Holy Spirit, you take him out of the equation, you're left with the letter of the law. And there are many people today that are just on that performance trap. Maybe I know you and I have had part of that as our experience. Oh, so perform, 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 try to, try to be a good Christian. But at the end of the day, you feel like such a failure on the inside. Yeah, you feel like you're just <laughs> it's lifeless. Absolutely. Performance in the self. Performance in the self is, a, a, I call it, depreciating investment. Because, mm -hmm. because without relationship, I, I, I discovered this in, in, in grad school. I work so hard to take a test because it's all performance-driven and I do well. And I get a high from performance. Right. You get a good grade. You get a good grade. You get a high. But then there's also the fear of failing next time. And the next test comes, I realize, wow, the fear to fail has increased because I performed last time. But so I perform, I work hard, I got a good grade, but then this time the high of performance is lower, whereas the fear is greater. And then well, I realized after a while, it's like, this doesn't end, it's not getting any better. You know, the fear just keeps increasing. And that's when I realized, ah, I can't live my life based on performance. No, no, it's and true. I don't know, I'm speaking to some of you guys out there who's driven by performance and you're not even sure because that's just how you were raised. Yeah. But there's a thing in your heart saying, ah, life has got to be more than just yeah. performance. Well, you take the take the person again who's saying, hey, are, are, are you going to go to heaven? And people, well, I hope so. <laughs> uh, well, why do you hope so? Well, I hope I've outperformed like my neighbor. I hope yeah. I did better than you. It's all based on doing good deeds or trying to yeah. love God or, or, or complete, you know, his commandments perfectly, score an ace, you know, yeah. ace the test. And man, like you said, it just leaves you longing for more because that's really not what well, you, you when The example you gave is like, it's based on competition. I mean, there's a high, don't get me wrong, there's a high you get. When I say a high, a euphoria or a kick or whatever that comes from beating the other person or performing or whatever. But again, if you do it enough, you realize this diminishing return. 
And that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you believe in me, there will be living water coming out of your heart. I mean, that doesn't sound like the mission returned to me. <laughs> Jesus was about fullness of life, yeah. right? And, you know, you look, this is why when you read through the New Testament, and this is really scary, and I, I say this, you know, because we could all fall victim of a, kind of that Pharisee spirit. Yeah. But how many times do you see Jesus ministering life? In fact, Jesus taught, you know, is it right to, is it right to help people and to heal people and to bring life to people on the Sabbath? Or is the Sabbath just for following rules and regulations? Yeah. And and he asked that question many times because Jesus loved to push the Pharisees' button. And I, I think in one example that's so powerful, and then you had another example from even your your Bible reading this morning, but in, in uh, the situation where Jesus was at the pool of, of Bethsaida, uh, where the man was sick for 38 years, uh, and Jesus healed him that day. An incredible miracle. The guy has been laying on a mat for 38 years, and Jesus heals him, and the guy stands to his feet, and everybody is in awe except for the Pharisees. Yeah. And you would, you'd think, okay, if you're a normal person and somebody you love was paralyzed for almost four decades, and Jesus comes by and does this incredible creative miracle right before your eyes— that would be a cause for celebration. I mean, you'd be jumping up and down. You'd be hugging the person that was crippled. And you'd be like, oh, my goodness, you have a whole new life. I cannot believe it. Uh, this is amazing. I mean, it would be, you'd be without words. And yet the Bible says that the Pharisees, uh, and this is in um, uh, John chapter 5, that the Pharisees began to harass Jesus uh, for breaking the Sabbath rules. And it says that later they, they tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. So if you're a religious person and you're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of your day and you love God and you're supposed to point people to the right, right way, right? And your goal, here's Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, right in your face doing miracles and your response is, how can I harass him? And ultimately, how can we kill him? Yeah. How sick and how distorted and how out of touch with ultimate reality are you? And the sad thing is you're doing all this in the name of religion and in the name of Jesus himself. And he's right in front of you and you can't see him. That's how blind you are. Yeah, no, that's good. And you were sharing, share your passages. Yeah, I was reading again, John, later in John, when um, Jesus uh, went to uh, bring Lazarus back to life. Yeah. You know, that whole story is incredible, even how he, did, he delayed and just everything he went through. It was very intentional. Jesus knew what he was doing. Um, but after Lazarus was resurrected and all the friends went out and told everyone, some people, the Bible says some people believe and some people went to go tell the Pharisees. Yep. And when the Pharisees heard that they were like determined, what they said was, I'm paraphrasing because I, I don't have the verse in front of me. Basically, all the people are going to believe in Jesus, which is a terrible thing. And then their fear is the Romans are going to come and take our temple away from us. Yep. Because the temple for them is the... So again, the box... The building. The, the building is the furniture. Yes. That, that was what was holy. They missed the fact they that they are trying to protect the wrong thing. They're going to commit murder because they think it, because they don't want to upturn the status quo, which is so reflective of our general our, our political culture today. Is like we don't really want to get anything done. We don't really want to liberate people. We don't really want to set people free. We don't really want to take people out of poverty. We just what we truly want. If you take out all the cameras, everything we truly want is status satisfy the status quo. We want to stay in yeah. power. We want to make sure uh, people. We still have control. It, 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 there's such a level of wickedness to all of this. But, you know, something else that was interesting to me, I just realized, is Jesus kept healing on the Sabbath because he was going, he was pushing their button. Yeah. Now, I believe one of the reasons he's pushing their button is because Jesus still loved the Pharisees. And he want, he he's coming after 
you know, I'm going to go, if my, if my son is keep going at an area, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to keep pushing on the stress point because yeah. I'm trying to get their I attention. To, I want you to hear what I'm trying to teach yes. you here. There's he a reason. He did not relent because he was trying yeah. to push. And I know in my own life, when God start coming after the things that I, the, 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 the one year, I don't want to touch the most. I know he's doing it out of love. And yeah. He's caring for me because he wants to get me past yeah. that. So Jesus isn't hating the Pharisees no. here. He's, he still has compassion and mercy That's why he's keep healing on the Sabbath because he's, He's saying, this is, guys, wake up. I want you to get this. And Jesus was was firm and straightforward with them. In fact, you read through the New Testament, some of the strongest language in the Bible from Jesus' lips is directed toward the Pharisees. So his heart was toward them, but he was shooting straight with them. They needed it. They needed it. They needed this. And and when you're wanting to kill kill the messenger, uh, you know, we got some serious uh, deception. But there were some Pharisees like Nicodemus who who do get it. So it's not like all of us. Some of them did get saved. And then we're like, you know, they weren't they're probably the minority, but absolutely, and that's that's a great point. Yeah. But look at there's some here's the fruit of the Pharisees that we want to highlight this morning. You know, if you separate the Holy Spirit from the Bible and you turn the Bible into a rule book or a regulation book, I promise you, you'll dry up on the inside, and you will use that book, which is intended to point people to Jesus and intended to give life. Yeah. And you will use it as a club to kill people. And I've seen religious people do that over and over again. This is what Jesus said about the Pharisees. And this is in John chapter 5, uh, verses 37 and 38. He said, The Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face. And you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. There are three things that are highlighted in this passage that we need to make sure that we avoid, and they are signs of what your relationship looks like with God when you've become a Pharisee. And uh, and God forbid that we be, ever become Pharisees uh, in our relationship with him. First sign is this. Jesus said, you have never heard my voice. And again, I can't tell you how many people are trying to walk through life with zero intimacy. They've never heard that still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to them, leading them, and guiding them. And we said, you know, what results if you don't hear the voice of the Lord is you end up having rules without relationship. That's good. And uh, and boy, if you try to raise your children, or I try to raise my children, and all it is is about rules. Hey, did you clean your room? You know, did you do your homework? Right. Uh, did you do this, 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 this? We don't do that, you know, on and on and on. Here's here's the list of chores you got to do. If there's no fun and there's yeah. no relationship and you never go after their heart right. and you never hug them and embrace them, you're going to have some rebellious kids on your hands. See, to me, there's a leadership principle right here. It's like it's like we tell our leaders a lot of times, if you want to communicate like information, short, send a text. But if you have nuances, if you're trying to lead That's people, yeah. don't text them. Pick up that phone. Call, call them, or hey, have a one-on-one meeting. Yeah, because face. how much? Yeah, face-to-face meeting. Because how much do you communicate through your eyes, your tone of voice, your hand gestures? And it's the same thing here. Can you imagine? I can't imagine being a dad to my kids in the developmental years, and all they hear from me is a set of rules I wrote on the wall. Yeah. I don't say anything to them. I don't hug them. Yeah. There's no tone in my voice. I just point to those rules and say, "Read that." Yeah, you know. Well, it's like that that message I had. 
all that all that she's ever experienced was rules and relationship. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, rules to yeah. perform on on behalf no relationship. So um, we just have to avoid that uh, altogether. And, not, and please, Harrison, we're not part of of loving Jesus is obeying His words and His Absolutely. commandments. And so we love the Word of God and right. we honor the commands of God. But the commands have to be always wedded together with the heart of God and the relationship that he wants. The, the, the nuances when God speaks to you about certain things, you know, like obviously the the, the obedience is so, consecration and holiness is so important, all of that, but, but if you interpret those as just harshness and condemnation without hearing the nuances of when God speaks to you and says, son, I love you, I want you to be happy, but to be happy, you need to be holy first. Now that changes everything. Yeah. You know the rules help lead us into intimacy with the Absolutely. Lord, which is really what we're after. Right. Second thing, and perfect segue here is is Jesus said that they had no intimacy. He says you've never seen me face to face, and obviously it's talking about you know when we use that phrase face to face, that's the intimacy we're talking about. It's not sending an email or a text message. Right. It's me. It's you and I talking. Right. Uh, and and communicating at the closest level. So uh, the Pharisees, of course, uh, Jesus said, you, you've never experienced that with me. You don't have any intimacy. And the principle we said is sometimes we embrace formulas over friendship. And that's kind of like what you said with the computer. You know, you type in, you, you program your computer with formulas. And if you put the right formulas, you get the, the computer to perform for you. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with the Lord. You know, some people think if we do, if we perform the right rituals, or we go uh, through the, the right uh, ceremony, or we quote the right verse, then the formula will spit out the result we want. We'll get yeah. healed, we'll get blessed, we have provision. But it's all out of the context of face-to-face intimacy. With well, the just on that, what the, what you just described, like if I perform a certain ritual, then I get some result. That sounds a lot like witchcraft, like yeah. no, you're sorcery right. to me. Like, isn't that... The, I don't know much about all that, but that sounds to me based on movies and stuff is you do a certain ritual, you perform whatever, and then you get this result. There's no relationship. There's right. no consecration. There's no dying to self, right? right? It's, it's There's no joy, no there's pleasure. There's no joy, there's no pleasure. And and so we, we obviously condemn sorcery and witchcraft, but how many of us are actually doing that because we don't have real relationship? When yeah. we, when we're doing well, this? it's a form of idolatry, which I think is something we all can understand. You know, right. a lot of the pagan religions, there's territorial spirits. You have to appease the spirits. Yes. You make sacrifices. Oh, absolutely. You, you do what's right to keep that spirit out there happy so that your life is cool. Right. And a lot of people approach the big guy upstairs, right? Absolutely. We use this kind of irreverent language. Uh, you know, uh, treating God as if he's some formula or some genius instead of a friend. And, and we talked about this. What a privilege that God wants a friendship with us. Jesus says, I don't treat you like slaves. Slaves don't right. know what their master's doing. I treat you like friends because I want to reveal to you everything that the Father has in his heart. You know, what and, a privilege. And that's a great point. I think how we have you know, historically treated pagan religions, you know, sacrifice to Zeus or whatever, because we want to appease them, so we have good ring for the crop or whatever yeah, it is. My life's cool. I know. We're like, we don't do that anymore. But really? Do we really not do that anymore? Yeah, that's well, good we point. don't have a relationship. It's basically kind of what we're doing. I know I've been guilty of that. You know, yeah. so. Oh, that's good. I really yeah. Third point, and this was huge. You know, if I never hear your voice, mm-hmm. and if you and I never talk face to face, then someone could come up to me and say, that Andrew Ming, I can't believe he said such and such. And I, and that ticks me off. And, you know, and I would say, wait a minute. No, no, no. I, I know Andrew. We're, we have a relationship together. Let me tell you, that wasn't Andrew's heart, mm-hmm. right? This is what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, you do not have a, a, the Father's message in your hearts. In other words, they were the ones that were supposed to be communicating, right? They were the priests. They were, the, they were there to represent God to the people. 
And Jesus is saying, you don't represent me at all yeah. because you don't have my heart and you don't share my passion. Yeah. And uh, and again, you and I are both pastors. Our job as pastors is to is to lead people to Jesus, right? We yeah. are to be represented. In fact, every believer, not just pastors, every believer is an ambassador of Christ. We are his representatives, which means we represent our king to the earth, to people in the world. And, and what a privilege that is, but what a scary thought. That you know what if we don't have if we don't hear the voice of God, and we don't have any kind of face to face intimacy with the Lord, we can completely misrepresent His heart and His message, which happens all the time. I mean, for those who are not in ministry or non pastors out there, uh, if you're a dad, you're a mom, whether you like it or not, you're representing God's presence, who He is to your kids. Yeah, you know, and, and you're and you're you know on our staff, you're our, our executive pastor, which means. You are one of my key right hand guys in this ministry, and uh, and you relate directly to to all the different ministry heads. You have to represent me yeah. and my heart, and you have to be able to know, hey, this is what Pastor Ron likes. I don't, I know he won't like that. Uh, that's not that's not our core values here. Uh, that's not his heart. I mean, because that's the way this relationship unfolds. Well, Jesus came to represent the Father, right? And, and our job is to represent Jesus, and we just simply can't do it. So here's the problem. We, we end up falling. If we don't have the heart of Jesus, we end up focusing on performance over presence. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit, performance over presence. Well, I think we already talked about how, how damaging performance could be. It becomes this comparison. It becomes a me thing. It becomes a thriving. Uh, I, I think the best way that Jesus summarizes this verse, he says that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yeah. And if you are a part of any type of performance-driven corporate world, business, yeah. even ministry, even marriage, even in parenting, you feel the weight of that burden. Yeah. It's your, on you. your value is all based on whether you lived up to somebody else's performance expectations. Yeah. And, you know, these things destroy relationships. You know, if you're if our spouses feel like Oh wow! My, now my husband's punishing me because he's he's giving me the silent treatment, or he's yelling at me because I didn't measure up to his expectations. Yeah. You know, I've heard a lot of women say, "You know, I'm just tired of walking on the eggshells with my husband." Sure. Because yeah. I, I I never know if I'm going to do something wrong, and then I'm going to, I'm going right. to get punished by him. Right. And then that, that's the same way they carry that relationship over to a relationship with God, where it's like, I'm just always trying to do the right thing, but I fail so much. And we've heard people say this, you know, I tried Christianity and, and I, I quit, you know, I, I, I give up, I quit. I just, I can't do it. That's somebody who is misunderstanding the nature of this relationship, that it's not about your performance. It's about Jesus' performance. He's the only one that ever performed perfectly. He got a perfect 10 on the on the floor routine, all right, as a gymnast. He's, he's the perfect, perfect score. All the rest of us are tripping around and trying to do our best, but Jesus is the, the only one who's ever perfectly performed. And the good news is it's not about performance. It's about his presence. Uh, it's about relationship with him. It's about coming to him and uh, surrendering to him and pursuing his presence in your life. And uh, and that's a game changer because if you're on that religious performance track, you're going to be constantly living under guilt and shame. Or on the other side, like you said, if you're a good performer, you had a good week, then you'd be arrogant and prideful. Cocky and prideful, you think you have all yeah, together. Yeah, you you'll be looking right. down on everybody. Uh, so what a, what a miserable way to live. And I think this performance thing, you know, that's something I counter quite a bit when we cancel marriages and stuff. It's like people confuse like 
you know, so so because I've dealt this in my heart. I they went through a season which I'm very performance driven, and uh, in my marriage and my wife feels like she has to walk on eggshells and stuff like that, and just destroyed her. She yeah. wilted like a flower, like a you know dying yeah. flower. And what I've learned is. A lot of times we can, we're, we're, we're preached to husbands like, hey, don't be so harsh with your wife. Stop trying to, you know, make her perform blah. So what we do instead of really changing to presence, what we do is we we just lower the performance bar. So we say, okay, I'm not requiring 80%. I'm just requiring 75%. <laughs> or how about this? I require only 10% and not 80%. So I'm doing a good job. What you don't realize is you're still on the path of performance. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, You're yeah. still in that same sphere. We, we think being godly means, all right, I won't be so harsh. I won't be so harsh. I'll lower my right. expectations of what I really want her to right. be. Right. And, and then when the problem is you're still in that same spirit. So when she performs at 9% instead of 10%, you're like, well, I did all this stuff for you. I've done blah, blah. I've lowered so much standard. You should be blah, blah, blah. And not realizing what God wants to do is not to uh, uh, modify our heart. He wants to give us a brand new path in which is not about performance. It's about unconditional love, yeah. which requires death. So we just want to modify our mindset, but what God really wants to do in our marriages. I mean, this is good marriage preaching right here because <laughs> yeah. it took me, it was a revelation when I realized, wow, I can't do this halfway. I have to go all out and just completely die. But I think many of us compare going to our relationship with God, it's on the same path. We're just like, okay, well, I just got to work harder to please God more, right? I just got to do more. So I'm, you're, so you're upping from 40% saying, well, this year I'm going to do a new year resolution. I'm going to go to 80% for God. And normally that 80% or that upping of performance means I'm going to spend more time reading the Bible. Yes, yep. Or I'm going to do, it's a, it's a list of performance things. Right. When really, uh, and this kind of leads to our, our next point, the whole goal is, you know, when you're in love with your spouse, right, and it's your date night, mm-hmm. say, hey, what do you want to do? Sometimes it's just as simple as this. You know what? It really doesn't matter what we do. I'm just so glad to be with you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I just want to be with your, you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be with you. I want to be relating to you. I want to be having fun with you. I want to enjoy you. I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. That's all about presence. Yeah. And the performance flows naturally when the, the presence is set. Yeah, you don't have to worry about performance when you got presence. Yeah. yeah like again, I, I want to please my wife. Right. She wants to please me. Right. That's performance. But the reason is because we love each other. Right. We want to be with each right. other. We we delight in each other's being, right. not in what we do. Well, it's the same thing between contract and covenant. You can be a great contractor, fulfill all your contract 100%. Contractual responsibility 100%. Uh, yeah, letter of the law. I did letter that, I did that. Yep, yep, but that's yep. not covenant. Yep. And I, I think that is the key for so many of, of people like myself who, who really has that contractual uh, mindset formulaic mindset and to to say, you know what, I got to just die to all of that because I need a brand new paradigm. You know, yeah. outwardly it might not look so different to someone else, but in your own heart, you're like, no, I want relationship. Yeah. I want to embrace relationship. And I think for many men, that's so difficult because we, we cut our teeth on performance, right? Oh, we yeah. find the identity in performance. Performance. And we we cry that for everyone contract, else. We're logical. Tell me, tell me the three steps to do. That's the world we live in. That's how we know how to function. We don't know how to function in a relationship. Yeah. And that's because we've been relationally damaged so many times, whether it's from our home life yeah. or or whatever. But you know, Jesus really took the Pharisees to task in John 5, 39, 40. He said, You search the scriptures because you, you think that they give you eternal life. Mm-hmm. He said, But the scriptures point to me. Yeah, you refuse to come to me to receive this life. So here's the here's the idea again: is I'm going to relate to Jesus on the basis of 
point X, Y, and Z. Okay, I did that. I did that. I kind of did that. I guess I'm pretty good to go. And Jesus, plus today. Yeah. yeah, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You, the, the Bible, and this is a, an important, subtle distinction because we love the Bible. The Bible points us to Jesus. The Bible gives us everything for, we need for life and godliness. We love the Scripture. But if you read the Scripture as a law book or a rule book or a regulation book and you remove the Holy Spirit, you become guilty of bibliolatry. In other words, you make an idol out of the Bible. And that's what the Pharisees did. I love the way the message translation paraphrases this. Jesus says you have your heads and your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. The scriptures are all about me. Mm. So here, the irony of it is, say you're Jesus, I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I'm trying to harass you and ultimately kill you because you broke the rule. And Jesus is saying, hey, you are completely, you're so lost in the forest right. and in the rules and the regulations and the law. I'm standing right in front of you. Right. That whole book is about me. And right. here I am standing right in front of you. And you're not only not accepting me and worshiping me and, and embracing me, but you're trying to kill me. Right. That's how religious people can get so blinded by their doctrines and by their interpretations and by the religious schemes that they absolutely approach the scripture the wrong way. The scriptures are to lead you to a person. His name is Jesus. And if you don't have an encounter with a living Savior and all you do is relate to ink on a page and all you're doing is Greek and Hebrew studies and all you're doing is checking off your Bible reading plan, but it never leads you into intimacy with Jesus, you're missing the whole point of why the scriptures were given to us. And the Pharisees were proof in point. Uh, you know, they were the they were the top of the class on how to 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 sure. know the scriptures inside and out and miss Jesus. Yeah, that's good. And I gave the example. You know, I pulled out. I've got I've got these little precious envelopes mm -hmm. right here. I gave the example of all the letters that I wrote to my wife when we were dating and we were separated. And I wrote her one summer. I called it the summer of love for us. It was the summer of 1983. We could see the handwriting on the wall. We knew that, that we were going to eventually be married, but we were apart the entire summer. And, uh, and I wrote her letters, and she saved every one of these letters. You can see on the back of that the big I love you, all right? Um, my heart was full of passion for my wife. And, and I shared, you know, when I re went back and reread re the letters, they all had kind of the same theme. Mm -hmm. I love you. I miss you. Can't wait to be with you. I can't wait to where that we don't have to ever be separated again. Yeah. I cannot wait till school starts and I'm back on campus and I see you face to face. Doesn't that sound like what the Bible exhorts us as Christ's bride, yeah. that that should be our heart? We love you, Jesus. We want to be with you. We can't wait for that time when we will forever be united in eternity together. Uh, we can't wait for your return. We long for your presence. I mean, these love letters were such a picture of, of the passion in my heart for, for the woman who I wanted to be my bride. And I get, here was the point. How silly would that be if she is enamored with the letters from me and I'm sitting in the room right next to her and she's ignoring me right. because she's still reading my letter. Oh, wasn't that great when you said in paragraph three on letter 16, yeah. you know, uh, you told me this. Oh, that is so sweet. I love that. And it's like, 
Hello, the author who wrote that is sitting right here. Why don't you come and relate right. to me face to face? Why don't you come embrace me? Right. If that had happened, and we actually read a similar story that um, uh, the sculptor, um, very famous, very you know, very talented sculptor, he made a statue of his beloved. Okay. But after he made the statue of the beloved, all he wants to do is spend time with the statue. And whereas she's yeah. right What an amazing statue. She, yeah, he's admiring the statue of beautiful. And she's completely, she's like, why are you, you know, yeah. when these things happen, you think that the person is crazy, right? You want to say this person, there's a, there is a disconnect with reality that's happening. You look at the situation, it's like there's something really messed up with that situation. If, if Pastor Marion started loving, just start reading and she yeah. started snuggling with the letters going to bed and completely oh, yeah. ignore you, You'd be like, okay, there's something wrong with this picture, right? Oh yeah, I'd be, I'd be furious with her. Like, what are you doing, woman? Uh, reading the letter? Why don't you roll over and talk to what me? What do you think? There's some, there's a disconnect of reality going on there. But we, we do that all the time. Absolutely, you know. And uh, you know, I, we just have to make sure that the purpose of all of our religious activity yeah. causes our hearts to be inflamed with Jesus. And we, yeah. you know, why do we come to church on Sunday to check off a box? Uh, to show that we're we're good good citizens. No, I mean, and I'm hearing this from our people. You know, Sunday is my favorite day of the week. Well, why? We're with God's people, right. and we're in the presence of the right. Lord. And we hear, man, the presence of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. Or I'm hearing people saying, you know, uh, I had one person just testify the other night. They said, you know, I'm praying for somebody, and while I'm praying for them, I feel like I'm getting a download of information about what to pray about that person, Pastor. Is that the Holy Spirit? Is that the Holy Spirit helping me? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. Your helper is coming alongside of you. And, and the point was this. Isn't ministry in life so much more fun when we're locked arm in arm mm -hmm. with our Savior, with the Holy Spirit, when we're doing ministry together out of relationship and not just out of a formula? You know, um, I always tell my kids, like at Christmas time, say, Say I give you a present, mm -hmm. and you open up the present. You're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, and you're hugging the present. And I, and, and again, I'm glad that you like the present, but I always tell my kids, hey, that was from Grandma. Go go give Grandma yeah. a hug. Let her know how much you right. appreciate it. Right. So they put the present down, and they go to the one who gave them the present. In other words, we can fall in love with the gifts. We yep. can fall in love with the Bible. We can fall in love with church. We can fall in love with service, uh, good deeds, yep. our ministry gift. We can fall in love with all kinds of things, but that's really idolatry at the end of the day, even though those are good things. And we have to go back upstream to the, to the one who loves us and gave his life for us and to the one who, who called us to intimacy with himself. Yeah, no, that's good. So yeah. that's our challenge, I guess, this week, you know, as we wrap up this podcast, is really want to encourage you to approach your Bible study completely differently, that your Bible study is not an end it is a means to an end. Uh, in other words, the scriptures lead us to uh, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit needs to be the one walking us through the truth of God's word uh, so that the word comes alive in us and it moves from our heads to our hearts. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, man, I went to church for years and I felt like I got so much information, just Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, but they, they got zero experiential knowledge. In other words, there, there was never any any moving from right here to right here. Yeah. And uh, and they were just dry and so hungry for more. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit is to 
draw us and to lead us into more. And the beautiful thing about Jesus, because he's infinite, is there's always more. More to be experienced of him, more to enjoy, more of his presence, more of his love, more transformation, more healing, more, 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 more. Uh, and that's really our prayer for you. So I don't know if you got a final thought. Well, I, I, my final thought is I think we just need to be aware of human nature. If you look at history, if you look at the Bible, you look at all the world's history, there's always a draw to disconnect from relationship, uh, draw to become self-centered, to have control, to be formulaic. Yeah. Uh, it's a human nature. Yeah. I mean, the Bible talks all the time. I was just reading a passage in in uh, Habakkuk talking about uh, how we worship idols and we we make this, how ridiculous for us to, with our own hand, make idols and then start worshiping it, you yeah. know? Yeah. But we do that all the time. That's a human nature. So being aware of the, uh, of our own nature, the nature of our kids, our neighbors. That's kind of who we are, but at the same time realizing the call of the gospel is, is to go counter that nature, yeah. but to, to pursue a, a living relationship with an awesome God who wants not just our performance, but wants our hearts. That's and good. that's a daily reminder. And we as church leaders need to constantly remind people of that because there's a draw from the world to get us to, to bind to all of that. Yeah. You know, sometimes the, the, sometimes the biggest temptation is not uh, like... Uh, you know, it's just drugs or sex or all that. It's yeah. something the biggest temptation, especially for those who mean to do well, is formula. It's formula. It's control. It's subtle stuff. Yeah. And we got to be careful of that. Rituals, yes. You know, I love the point you brought out. The Pharisees were concerned that the Romans would take the temple. Remember how mad they were when Jesus said, I'm going to destroy the temple yeah. and raise it up in three days. Of course, he was talking about he's the temple. He's the temple, yeah. Not the building. Or we talked about the uh, Israelites when they were far from God. They viewed the ark, the furniture, as the magic box. You know, if we bring the magic box out with us, the God the God symbol, yeah. the good luck charm, then we'll win all the battles. And, of course, <coughs> we know God does not want to be a piece of furniture, a building. No. Uh, a religious system. Uh, he wants to be loved as a personal being. And, uh, and so, Lord, we just ask you to forgive us where we've made an idol out of our own religious systems, our denominations, our approaches to you. Lord, we want to know you. We want to love you. We want your word to bring us life. And we want the Holy Spirit to teach us and to, to lead us into your presence and to teach us what it means to know you and love you. So I pray for everybody watching today, Lord. Uh, I just ask you to bless them with your presence. I pray that you let them know that as sons and daughters, uh, as part of the bride of Christ, that you delight in us, you love us, uh, you're not looking for performance, you already, you already paid the price for all of our bad performance on the cross, and that really what you're after is our heart, Lord. So call us out of hiding, call us to see you, call, call us into that face-to-face -face relationship where we hear your voice and we understand your heart. And so, Jesus, we, we just submit to you today. We ask you to come into our lives in a fresh way today uh, and lead us on this exciting journey, uh, this exciting romance called Christianity. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The last thing I'd just share is, is please uh, like and share this podcast. Uh, direct other people to it if you think it would be a help to them. And uh, Andrew and I always love to see any kind of responses that you give us uh, uh, as far as feedback from the podcast, what spoke to you, what didn't speak to you. That's just very helpful to us as we you know, continue uh, to move ahead with uh, trying to provide some good, helpful uh, discipleship content to help you be 
the follower, the son, the daughter of Jesus that he's called us to be. So, yeah. Well, our podcast is on our website. Uh, there's a link to our actual podcast um, that has linked to Google Play and Apple and, and Spotify. So that's actually the best way to regularly get access to our podcast. It's not necessarily through Facebook because that kind of disappears, but to subscribe to uh, the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast on Google Play. And the link is all on our website. So someone goes to the, to the Y to work out or they're going to go for a long walk today. You can download can that. Download that yeah, you don't need a stream from YouTube or from uh, pass around Facebook because that's difficult. You got to scroll down to find the right one. Right. But if you subscribe to to us, then you just get it delivered directly right. to you. And so. we're working this year. In fact, 2021, one of our goals this year. And you know, when I state it, then that means we have to do it. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to declare it. All right, is that we really are wanting to uh, upgrade just the whole quality of the podcast yep. and um, and your ability to access it and everything. So sure. thank you for pointing that yep. out. Absolutely. All right. Have hey, well, week. we need to go love our wives today. Yeah. No performance. Unconditional love. No, just. All about relationship. It's yeah. going to be great. All right. You do the same. Uh, and you'll have some amazing and your kids relationship. Too. And your kids. Yes. And everybody in your life. Yes. All right. Love you guys. Have a great day.